listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. And uh, last night was powerful. This whole week's been wonderful and different each night. But um, one of the things that I'm seeing that's so powerful to me is that families are being touched by God's power. Yeah. Families are being touched. And, um, and, and, and families need that. Yeah. More than ever before in this world, it's separate separation of families. The enemy is going hard after the family. It's, it, it's what it's set up in God's word. He, he created man. He created woman. He created them to be together, a yep. helpmate, to become one. Then he created the family unit. And, and so the devil is like, when, when people get married and then when like offspring come, because you do it right, it says in the Bible that you're going to have arrows. You're going to have arrows that, you know, yeah. that you're going to teach, that they're going to go your forth. Your children are arrows be, in your quiver. Yeah. And so, you know, the, with the unity, when a family unit, and is taught the word of God and is taught as godly parents, the household set up correct, the, the, the man's the head of the house, he's a man of God, um, you know, and then the woman plays into her role and then the kids, they're obedient, they, they know honor, they fear the Lord. I mean, it's a, it's a dangerous situation for the enemy when the family union is set up the way the Bible has commanded it to be. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I love that point that my, my wife brought up <laughs> Uh, Jenna said, you could just push Bella over tonight, please. She said last night she wasn't moving out from the front of a gun until God blessed her. She falls down. But that's what Teddy said. Teddy <laughs> the little kids were coming up to you. She's like, why did Aiden fall down and I did not? Why? <laughs> and I was like, listen, Teddy. Like, I want dad to push time, me down. Not, I don't push people down. Not so. every time. I said, daddy laid hands on me tonight and I didn't go down. I was like, you don't have, you're not going down every time someone prays for you. But he was like adamant. He wants to be slain in the spirit. So Lord, I ask you before Friday, so get Bella and Teddy on the floor. <laughs> so the, the, the thing that I, I was blowing my mind, you know, to watch, the, the, there's such a hunger in the children. You know, the children have been pressing in every single <laughs> night i was watching little aiden over there on the on the stairs and i got a picture of it on my phone and he he was kneeling down on the stairs of the altar and he had his head in his hands and he was just just pressing in and that's what you want to see you want to see i saw one young man is that jay's son last night i prayed oh for my gosh jay's son got rocked last night Sweetest how, how old ever. is he is he like 11 12 no he's i don't know younger than that does anyone know how old jay's son is justin are you around I don't no. know. I don't know how old Jay's son is, but he was there. And I mean, God was like calling him. And um, Stephanie, do you know how old Jay's son is? And, and, and he's over there and I'm looking over and he's not even at the altar. He's like in the second, he's like in the second row. And he's just like weeping under the power of God, just like weeping under the power of God. He's eight, eight years old. That's Brooklyn's age. And he's just weeping. Read what Amy wrote. <clears throat> I brought a new family last night that has never been, and the daughter has never been to church. Oh, scroll back up, Zach. Can you do that just or no? Just to that, Amy? I don't know if we can. Oh. 
You can't scroll back up. She just said that they haven't been to church in four years, and she and she said that guy that's yelling. I want what he's giving the kids. Oh, <laughs> you yell and you I'll preach. I never some, noticed. I'll have to do some more yelling. Do you? And, you move a lot. I never noticed. And I looked over there, and he was like weeping. And so I called him forward and began to prophesy that God was going to use him to preach the gospel and God was calling and setting him apart. Eight. He, I mean, he's just like... Brooklyn's age. Yeah, Brooklyn's been getting rocked this week by the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, hey, Olga. Hey, Olga. And so I'm watching these kids and these kids are getting rocked in the Holy Ghost. Like young kids, you know, six, seven, eight, nine. You know, power God hit. They all took off running around the church. Yeah. You know, they feel the Holy Ghost. And uh, we're believing God for families that uh, it won't be the same. And this is what I want to just say for parents whose kids are stepping into participating and go, wanting to go forward and doing it. Don't correct them. Don't stop them. The moment that you put in their mind at all a hesitation of uh, may, I shouldn't go to the altar or, you know, you, you've done it enough. Just sit down. It's not your turn. It's a little embarrassing. You know, the way you're acting, you're a little laughing loud or, or go get your kid off the floor because you're don't do that. Don't do that because it, it, let, let them get the voice of God. They, they have to hear the voice of God. They at first, listen, when my kids are doing it and you tell them, Oh, we're running for Jesus. They're going to, they'll get more revelation of it as they get older. We're not going to be like, well, no, you know, you didn't get healed. You don't need to take a lap across, you know, whatever. You let them participate in the move because then you have little ones like our five and six year old looking at the older kids, looking at the adults saying, I don't really understand it all. And I don't know exactly what's going on. But what I do know is I want it. And, yeah. and you got to go with the leading as a parent to just say, go. Go for it. Right. You know, because there's times I've seen parents where their kids are laughing on the floor and and this and that. And, you know, in that moment, they might be making themselves do it, but they're trying to hear the voice of the God. They're, they're trying to get into it. They're hungry. Do not go up there and yank them away. Do not tell them they can't participate. Yeah. You've got to let them get into it because the moment that you teach a kid something about being embarrassed... It, it, it's done. They'll always be cautious. They'll always second guess. Should I go to the altar? Should I kneel? Should I kneel up here? Should I go up? Should I, you know, fall out? Should I laugh? D don't, don't ever stop them. Always encourage them. And there's a difference between uh, allowing your kids to be disrespectful and oh, just doing, yeah. you know, goofy stuff and then actually to trying to press in. Yep. Uh, they feel it. They can sense the presence and the power of God. They can sense it. Probably more than most adults can. That's right, Bethany. Be because <clears throat> that's right. They're learning how to step into the spirit. The, the, they probably can f sense it and discern it more than most adults who have allowed themselves and allowed their flesh as it's gotten stronger uh, to become calloused to the things of the spirit. I have this theory and I'll share it with you. I, ha I have this theory that like imagine if this table was eternity, right? Imagine if this table was eternity, and let's say that this is your beginning and the end of your life. You're born out of eternity, and then you go back to eternity again. And for a short period of time, you're in this natural world. But I want you to think about this. If this part of the table right here where my finger is, 
and I don't know if you can see that in the camera shot or not, but I'm hoping you can. Um, if this is where you're born, <laughs> <There's> Zach. <laughs> if this is where you're born, your life almost looks like an arc. It looks like, or an arch, if you will. It's like a half circle. And you, as you're younger, you just came out of eternity. And when you're young, your spirit's still fresh. Your flesh has not been uh, corrupted, if you will, in that way of, you know, years and years of wrong relationships, hearing the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. You're still pure out of eternity. And then as you get to the, the peak of the crest of your life, where you're your strongest, most productive, your flesh is the strongest. And then you begin to start going back toward eternity to where you start to get become an elderly person. And then finally you're old. And then before you die, what I've noticed just from experience, and I'm sure many of you have noticed this too, is that when you're a young child, you're young, uh, the, your spirit's very sensitive. And then as people get older and they're elderly, their spirits become sensitive to eternity again. And they start, they start seeing things, especially if people are close to death, they'll begin to see in the spirit. They'll begin to, it's, it's almost like their spirit is transitioning back. And I noticed this that, and I've seen it many, many times. I've seen children that are so sensitive to what God's doing, their spirit uh, is sensitive to it. They've, they've not grown to the place where their flesh and their carnality is so strong in their life yeah. that it's rejecting or uh, washing out the things of God. And then notice that is that as the person gets older and their flesh gets weaker again, their flesh gets weaker, their spirit begins to come through again. And I've seen it happen. I've seen stories of it. Um, I remember Brother Hagin uh, tell a story about uh, uh, a person that was dropping someone, uh, it was a preacher, a pastor that was dropping somebody off at the airport and they had to drop them off really early in the morning. So they had to get all their kids out of bed and put them in the back of the station wagon and they let their kids lay down in the back and rest and sleep. And the, the boy was really, really young. He's probably like four or five years old, Brother Hagin said. And um, as the person left and the kids were asleep and the person got on the plane and they started to take off and they were they were getting ready they were taking off and flying and the boy popped up out of his sleep he was like 5 years old he said why did he why did he get on that plane why did you allow him to get on that plane and the parents thought he was just came out of a dream and he said no that plane's going to crash that plane's going to crash and and that plane did crash he knew it in his spirit at 5 years old so his spirit was so sensitive to what was going on he had a knowing i've seen elderly people that were getting ready to go to heaven and they start to in the spirit they start seeing things in the spirit it's like they're once that's what fasting does you know fasting weakens your flesh again so that your spirit becomes dominant but see as age weakens your flesh and you start to go back towards the eternal realm people start to get more sensitive again to the holy spirit and that's why that's what my wife is saying when your children are at that place where they're young and sensitive we're not trying to keep them away from the presence and power of God. We're trying to get them to the presence and power of God. And uh, I love that you quoted that verse from Psalm 127. The Bible says in the fourth verse, well, I'm gonna read three, four, and five. Psalm 127, verses three, four, and five. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, and he'll not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in, uh, in the gate. So I want you to see this. She brought up the, the point 
that your children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior and that blessed is the one who fills their quiver with them. So isn't that an interesting analogy? And she began, I'm gonna let her hit, hit on this again, but like when your children under, when you understand that your children are arrows, what do you do with an arrow? <laughs> you knock an arrow. It's called knocking an arrow. If you've never done archery before, it's called knocking an arrow. You put it into the string, lock it in. So notice that you put your children on something that's going to put force behind them. And then you draw them back. What are you doing? You're, the, the job of the parent is to launch those children, not just randomly. Right. What do you do next? You, you aim it. So your children, you're the one that's holding the bow, but your children should be aimed at something, aimed at a goal. And drawn back means all the force of the parenting and the Holy Spirit is behind your child and you're aiming it at a target. But at some point, you've got to release it. You've got to release it and let it fly at its target. And that's what we've noticed is that if, if people don't parent by faith, if they don't lead by faith and lead by wisdom, then it is a random shot. Children will just en end up anywhere they decide to end up. Well, why is that? We've noticed that there are times parents aren't aiming and putting Holy Ghost force behind their children. And, and letting them go too early. You, you, we're, not, we're not meant to parent based on what society tells us. We don't parent based on, oh, well, at 16, this is, represents what your kid. At 18, they got to get kicked out of the house. We, we don't go by their rules. They're not our boss. We, we obey the word of God. And so by releasing our children too early, things can go wrong because they're not prepared. They're not trained. It takes time to train. That's why people who are in the Olympics and people who are in major sports, they train their whole life before they get to the point of when it's time for them to run the race, time for them to participate, time for them to get the gold. And so we as parents need to take some long time with our kids and with training. It's going to take it. I know everyone's like, well, my kids are, are there for a purpose and there to be a light. And, and yes, to an extent, but at the same time, they are in our care. And then if we're going to be the arrows that are going to point them in the direction that God's called them. Now, we don't call our kids. I know that sometimes as parents, we try to force our kids in a direction. But the best thing as a parent can do in our training is teaching our children to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yes. The Bible says says in John that uh, the, sh the sheep will know the shepherd's voice. Mm -hmm. And so that is something during our training process to our children is, is teaching them to hear. Like I do that with our kids. I, I can't be everywhere all the time now, especially with three kids. I can't pre-watch everything that they watch. But I know I trust my children because I have trained them to know what that you know, we've talked about what's that feeling you get in your gut? Yep. What's that? That's the Holy Spirit. That's him knocking on you saying, listen, this isn't the right way. This isn't the right thing. You shouldn't be saying this. You shouldn't be doing that. So now when my children come to me and say, mom, can I watch this? You know, I, I'll read the parents guide. I'll say this. And yes, I, I am. You slowly let them step into right. things. Okay. Based on 
my rules, <laughs> not what society says, right. and what are the age limits of this movie or the age limits of this show. Don't go by yeah, that then guide. Then you look at it and it's like, holy Go smokes. by the best guide. <gasps> you know, what the world says is okay for a, a, a six-year-old, a, a nine-year-old, a 12-year-old is not okay at our standards. Right. It's not okay by the standards of the word of That's God. That's right. So we don't judge it based on that. Look at Bethany. She said, my kids will tell me now, Mom, we should watch that. We shouldn't watch that show anymore because it has this in it. Yes. And so when you teach your kids, I'm telling you, that's the number one thing to do with your children is teach them the voice to hear that voice. That's what does right. that mean? What is that feeling? Let's talk about it. Was there this situation? You know, get them acquainted with it. And I do that now with with Madeline and with Brooklyn. You know, Madeline says, can I can I watch this and I'll read something on it and I'll say, well, yeah, but, you know, it is set in this scene, and so if there's anything that comes, and so I've I've seen Madeline come to me, and I'll just say, no, I didn't. It wasn't appropriate. It wasn't something that I felt right about. There was one time a long time ago. Remember, she got started from a friend on a show, and I said, well, Madeline, that's that's set in middle school, and you know we're not there yet, and you know we're not we're not talking about the things that they're talking about in this show, and. And she was like, oh, it's okay. And I said, okay, well, you know, remember, like, would Jesus be okay with this? And then I let her make the decision. I wasn't going in there screaming, like, turn this off right now. Not that I wouldn't. But, you know, you've got to train them to hear the voice of the Lord. It wasn't until the next day she goes, yeah, I'm not going to watch that show anymore. Um, you know, I, I didn't feel right about it. And she goes, I, and I don't think dad would like me watching it. So, yeah. like, it was, it was the Holy Spirit and dad right. that... Well, somebody wrote, uh, it, uh, Jody said, example of that is that new movie, Turning Red. You know, and the kids came to us and they said, we want to watch this movie, Turning Red. Right, and because the world portrays the trailer as something completely different, right? We watch the trailer completely different. So my, our kids were the same way. They were like, we want to watch this, want to watch this. Well, we always go to a parent's guide, see what they have to say. And we were floored at what the movie represented. I was like, are you serious? I was like, all these... All these different things are in this movie for children, and they're going to say all these things? Because I don't know if you guys use this or not. If you don't, it's a great resource for parents. But many of you might use the IMDB Parents Guide before you watch any movie or show with your kids. Um, IMDB, for those of you who don't know, stands for Internet Movie Database. And uh, I think it's just imdb.com. And you can look at any movie, any show, and it has a parent's guide, which will show you any violence, any uh, language, sex, nudity, yeah, all those you things. Yeah, how many words. It'll tell you what all the story, the, the context of what's happening. And, um, and, and using that to see, it's like, I, are you serious? Like this, all this stuff is in like a, an, a, an animated movie for kids or whatever. And you're thinking like, they're, they're trying to push this on like young children. And it's, it, it's like, it was insane. Like insane to me. Uh, that, that that's, but you know what, that's when you start to realize that the spirit of this world, uh, is pushing these agendas and what they see, that's when you start to realize the, the ratings are set by people that are living in an antichrist, uh, system, the ratings on movies, the ratings on video games are set by people who are unregenerated in their spirit and they're in part of an antichrist system. And so don't just trust that because something's PG, you know, it's okay for your kids or, or whatever. Or it's a cartoon. Right. Like we're so trained to just be, you know, the world gets families busy. 
And this is the thing, we get families busy. We get parents working, we get them doing late, we got kids coming home. And so to the point where families are not paying attention to each other, they're not, we're not raising kids anymore. We're just like, oh, look at the rating, good. Oh, it's a cartoon, no problem. But we've got to really wise up and, and be like, listen, I'm gonna be involved because my number one priority, my number one job in life as a parent is to make sure my children are not going to hell and to make sure my children are living right and holy and pure on this earth to be blessed by God and to have favor. That's my job. If I fail at everything else, whatever. I don't care because that's the instruction that God's given us as parents is to raise our children godly is to raise our children and right standing on the way to heaven that's my number one thing miracle word comes second to my kids it's the lord it's my husband it's my children it's my job yeah and so everything else can go to the wayside except my relationship with the lord my relationship with my husband and my children that's what matters most i could care less about anything else everything else is a bonus to me everything else yeah. that i'm good at at gifts and talents that he's given to me is a bonus to me but i will not and i refuse to let the the enemy of this world come in and even remotely be around my children that's right like you got to be able to sniff it out and kick it out right at the beginning no question don't let anything come in don't let them continue to have bad dreams. Don't let them to continue to fight fear and being scared of stuff and be like, oh, this is what we do. It's just what kids go through. It's it's nighttime. It's it's this. It, it, no, you play into it. And that all is roots that grow and it gets bigger. There was a time in, in Italy that Madeline had a scare when we were traveling and brought that fear home. And man, I had to break that because I wasn't having it in my house. I was not going to have a kid that when I walked to the mailbox to get mail, she was scared where I went, had to run out to see where I went. So we had to break that. But parents nowadays would be like, oh, well, it, it's OK. You know, well, let's play into it. Let's coddle this. Let's just, you know, and we're not keeping it. We have to be parents that when we see something that is a, a, a violation to what we know that the word of God says, that we get big enough to say, I'm putting my foot down. They're my main responsibility and I'm taking over. I have to say. That's exactly right. You start to realize when you're aiming them, that's an intentional uh, trajectory for your children. You're choosing a trajectory uh, on purpose, that is guided by the parameters of God's written word. And so you start to realize that the, uh, the family unit is based upon love for God, number one, love for each other. I was looking into Ephesians chapter five, where the Bible says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband's the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his, bo uh, uh, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself with splendor, without spot or wrinkle, any such thing. So in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Amen. And Amen. so you start to realize this, that uh, 
every, every part of the family unit, because if you go on to chapter six, what's the first thing it says? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, giving yourself up for them. And then, of course, children, obey your parents in the Lord. There is a, a parameter for every member of the family. The husbands have something to do. The wives have something to do. The children have something to do. And when everybody does what they're called to do, there is a strength and an anointing that comes upon your family yes. for God to use you in a supernatural way. You think about it. Think about if everything I just read was uh, fully operational in every Christian family. Think about it. If the husband, starting with him because he is the head of the home, if the husband loved his wife in such a way that every decision he made, he gave himself for his wife. He, he preferred her above himself in every, every decision, no matter what he did. That way now she understands because she's seen this in action that everything my husband does, he does with my best interest at heart. That uh, everything that he does, he does, he puts me above himself. He cares for me. He protects me. He loves me. He provides for me. You know, he comforts me. He stands beside me. All these things. So she's seeing that. And now how much easier is her job that's given to her from the Lord? Husbands, love your wives. But wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. For the husband is the head of the wife. So how much easier is that now for her? Uh, not that she doesn't have to do it if the husband's not doing his part. We all have our responsibility. But we're talking about all these working together. Now, the wife is in full submission, working perfectly together with her husband as a team. And he's got her best interest at heart. She's got his best interest at heart. They're working together without conflict. It's like a perfect team. Now the children come and the children are obeying their parents in the Lord for this is right. And they will honor their father and mother for, listen, the Bible says this is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. So now that they do it, they'll have a long life on the earth, long life on the earth. What is there that uh, that family cannot do? Nothing. That, fam that family can accomplish anything God calls them to do. There's no rebellion. There's no discord, there's no conflict, there's no drama, there's no crisis. Everything's functioning in line with God's word. But what takes people out of that? One of the main things that takes people out of that is pride. Pride will destroy a family unit that the husband puts himself first because he's in pride. Well, I should have what I want first. That's pride. The wife says, well, I'm not submitting. I'm going to do what I feel like. That's pride. Children, I'm not obeying my parents. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's pride. Same reason that children of God disobey God's word, pride. My way is better than his way. My way is better than his way. When we know the Bible says uh, in Isaiah 55 that as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that's the key is that you start to realize that if I submit myself to the plan, which takes humility, takes humility, if I submit myself to the plan, then the power of God is in submission to the plan. So when we're talking about overcoming faith for the family, 
when we step into uh, God's system for the family, you start to realize his anointing comes on the family. Right. When a husband does what he's called to do, the anointing comes on the family. When a wife does what she's called to do, the anointing comes on the family. When the children do what they're supposed to do, the anointing comes upon the family. And it's interesting because in the early church, you couldn't even be an elder, an overseer, quote unquote, a bishop, if you didn't have a family that was in order. So unless you rule your own house well, True. how will you rule the house of God? That was the whole deal. Yeah. How will you rule the house of God? And so I can tell you, and I'm by no means a perfect husband, but I can tell you this. Okay. One, no. <laughs> no. No. You're so perfect you matched me today, and See? I hate it. Oh, look at that. Team. I'm against team, matching team. husband and wives. Uh, if I, anyone I, wants to know a fun <laughs> fact about me. I'm but by no means a perfect husband, but <laughs> at the same time, as we're all working towards what we're supposed to do, you have to be introspective. You have to continually look into yourself. That freaks everyone out nowadays, though. Introspection does. Yes. Of it, course. It, it, everyone it's, it's like we're raised to push the blame to somebody else. That person made me do it. That group you know, makes me feel this way. Yeah. I went through this situation. So now it has nobody ever is taught to look at themselves first. Yeah. yeah. No one's That's ever the first taught. Place Even like in counseling and all that. It's all just like, well, what did the other person do to you? Yeah. What, how, let's tell, go back to your let's, parents. Let's go what back. did they do to you? Yeah. And it's like always pointing fingers at somebody else. I can remember one time when I was young and I wanted an ice cream and my parents wouldn't buy and me And this one. is like, you know, why, at some point if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you put your, put your big girl pants on and your big boy pants on. And you, get on and, with life. And you get on with life. And hey, when you're saved, it's called a new creature in Christ. Right. Renew your mind. The old passed mind. away. We're not bringing the past up. You're not the same person. Whatever happened to your family is not going to happen to you. You start over. And at some point in life, you can't keep saying, well, my parents talked to me this way. My uncle, my grandparents, my per I went through this, a bad divorce. It's like at some point. Yeah. At some point, you've got to stop it because then you're raising the next generation to do the exact yeah. same cycle. So what are cycle. we, we going to say? Jesus can open blind eyes, he can open deaf ears, and he can raise the dead, but can't he can't heal. heal your hurt? Yeah. He can't. Well, they talked to me wrong when I was a kid. They, Jesus can't heal that. Jesus can't bring you out of emotional hurt. Jesus can't bring you out of wrong parenting. He set it up so you can have a marriage like he was just talking about. He set it up so we could have... He said... He set it up so we can live like heaven on earth. I, I, that's what he wants for us. Right. We don't have to be concerned of things we want or being taken care of. The Bible says, you know, the, the animals don't think about it. The plants, everyone just goes on with their life out in, in the world. Nature, animals, they don't think about it. Where's the next meal going to come? Where's the next shelter going to come? You know, the birds in the nest. Over, over here, we're all concerned and we're all like, well, I'm not sure this this works. God's word said it. Not sure. Not right. sure. And let me tell you, they're the same anointing that flows to bring healing, to bring deliverance from addiction. Absolutely. That same anointing can get into your husband and turn him around, can get into your wife and turn her around to heal your marriage and bring things where they should be. That same anointing does that. Absolutely. And, and it's important to understand that you have to trust God with the same faith you would for a healing for restoration and relationships and believe God. Yes. But notice this, we always start with me. I'm introspective. Where 
And, you know, that's, that's not, that is a hard thing to do. You know, Carol and I were talking uh, recently. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you another thing that's very, very important when you're talking about faith for the family and overcoming for the family. Um, <laughs> Matt said, I'm upset with my parents for getting me generic cereal growing up. It hurts bad. Can't Trust me. cereal the same. Toastios instead of Cheerios. Fruity rings instead of Fruit Loops. <laughs> I'm telling you, I know where you're at. Um, but, but one of the things... That right. Carolyn and the I. The Dancing Romeo. You watch way too many cartoons. Far too many cartoons. Far too many cartoons. Get delivered from daytime you, television. You need to go do something uh. else. Get a hobby. <laughs> go sew. Get a gym membership. I don't know. But do something besides look but, deep into cartoons. But, but one of the things we recognize in, in the anointing for the household is communication is, is vital. Introspection and communication. If those two things are on point in your life. Of course, it's all done. We, we put the word of God first in every, in every area. But int- the word of God will make you look at yourself. The Bible says that the word of God is like a mirror. Yeah. A mirror that you look into on a daily basis. That's why it's so important that you read the word of God every day. The word of God is a mirror. And, and when you look into it, it will show you just like how an actual mirror, you can look into it. And if you had not looked in, you did not know there was something on your shirt or your hair was or something in your teeth or whatever, whatever. The mirror shows you what needs to change. And in the same way, the word of God as a mirror shows you what needs to change in your life. You compare yourself to the written word of God. So if I look into Ephesians 5 and I start to realize, hold on a second. I've not been loving my wife like Christ loves the church. I've not been uh, giving myself for her. I've not been putting her above myself. The word of God is that mirror. When I come across that passage of scripture, I start to recognize, oh, hold on a second. I need, I see some stuff in my life as I look into this mirror that needs to change. And that needs to be the first place I look, me, me. And, and, and making sure pride is absent. Pride should be absent from your, from your life. Because when you talk, and we recently, you know, we've had, uh, it's amazing because when you're on the road, did you hit me because I hit you? I don't know if Drew it's amazing. My, my matching green shirt. Um, when you talk, see, this is where uh, husbands and wives, a lot of times, they, 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 they miss it because anything that is said. You're a great mom, Leslie. Anything that really is said are. that... <laughs> seems like it's an attack upon your character you know then the people get mad and then they start bringing up stuff about you they don't like oh then let's talk about your mom then (laughs) or whatever you know (laughs) husbands and wives do that you know and it goes from that it goes from just having a conversation to a full-out attack goes to a full-out attack (laughs) and then guys start hearing about stuff that happened seven years ago that they have no recollection of Oh, yeah, it's like when you left me in the hockey arena parking lot that time. <laughs> I was standing out there in the cold. It's like, are you serious? I don't even remember that. <laughs> yes. Not talking about us. We've never been to hockey. But, but you know what I mean? It's like, and then the issue is you don't, you, you don't have communication because every time you do communicate, it's, it goes the wrong way and then everybody's hurt. And then nobody talks to each other for a week and people sleep in different rooms because there's pride there. People can't just humble themselves. The Bible says submit yourselves one to another in love. Now, even though I'm the head of this woman and she's my wife, we're still as in the body of Christ submitted to one another in love. 
That means that I should be able to hear what she has to say and she should be able to hear what I have to say. And honesty should be able to be there where this is how I'm truly feeling, what stuff we're dealing with as you know, husband and wife. Instead of bottling it all up and letting it sit there for eight years and finally exploding on your husband or exploding on your wife because nobody talked to anybody because there's too much pride to talk or there's too much anger to hear it or there's too much too many problems to, to actually get it out in the open and solve the thing. Solve it. And if you need somebody else to be there like a pastor or somebody, get somebody there and solve it. God doesn't want you living through your marriage and your family for 25 years in a constant state of crisis and a constant state of depression and anxiety because there's problems in the relationship. Solve it. Solve it. And so the you look at this, it's, it's interesting how the word of God becomes your mirror. And you realize I can look uh, in the word of God and then as I do, it'll show me what needs to change even between my wife and I. And, um, and we've made a point to do that. Yeah, you set parameters. We won't go to bed angry. There's a parameter. We'll not let the sun go down upon our wrath, as the Bible says. That means I'm not finishing the day angry with you and going to sleep mad at you and you're mad at me. Right? Right. Right? Right. <laughs> and I so, concur. And, and I'm we, really we, like, I <laughs> And so we... We set, we set wow. We set parameters. <laughs> we set parameters, right? Right. Um, right. <laughs> right. Right. And and Bonnie says right. <laughs> and and we're and we're not. You know. Um, listen, Bethany. We're not showing anybody up. Carolyn has plenty of problems, but we're. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the other thing that that you have to you have to recognize you have to recognize too what your personalities are like and for carolyn and i we're both very strong personalities both of us are and so that has to be kept in mind. My mom's laughing now. <laughs> that has to be kept in mind because you both have very strong personalities. But you know what I will say about Carolyn is that even though she does have a, a really strong personality, she's a very independent woman. She does all of the work, the manual labor around our house. I can't fix a thing. I'm not a handyman. But, man, she does a great, great job at all of that. But even though she's a very strong Sounds personality – She's a very strong personality. I will. I have to give her a lot of credit because she is mature enough in faith and in and in the word that she oh, does. I love her so much. She does what the word of God says. You know, there's been times that uh, and it sounds funny to even say this, you know, because it sounds funny to I talk know about. Getting ready to say. Well, no, it, it sounds funny to talk <laughs> about the marriage relationship in the way that the Bible talks about it where the, hu the husband takes the head role, like the head of the wife role. And uh, I mean, this has only happened maybe one time in our marriage, I think, right? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't say right yet. <laughs> right? I don't no. know yet. <laughs> there, there was a time where I felt like something need to be, needed to be corrected. Um, and, and it's like, you know, pe people think, well, that's, that's just terrible. But like when you really understand the fullness of God's word, if the husband is the head of the wife and the head of the household, 
it's like the, the theory that I have about Adam and Eve, that sin entered into the world, not because of Eve, but because of Adam, the Bible says, because he had the authority delegated from God. If Eve had been deceived by the serpent, eaten that fruit that she was not supposed to, Adam found out about it because she brought it to him. If he would have corrected her, I believe, then everything could have been restored because he had delegated authority from God. He was the high priest of that relationship. And I think there's only been one time, but I remember one time that there was like, I, I made a correction and I was like, I need, it's, it's funny sounding because it sounds like you're talking to like one of your dogs, like I need to see you in the room. <laughs> and it wasn't one of those. I need to see you in the rooms. And, but that, that's all, I think that's only ever happened one time, but I can give her all the credit. It does sound funny. It does sound funny. But but that, that has to, that gift to give her all the credit because she understood what I was talking about and agreed, yes, that need that needs to change. And and literally, you talk about how not that um, time, Bethany. You talk about how, how much humility that takes and how much um grace that takes to do that, even in a place where, where you might be upset, angry, irritated, it's whatever. It's not easy. Ta- it takes humility, it takes <laughs> grace to do those things. And uh, I have to give it up to her because she has that kind of humility. She has that kind of grace. She's anointed and understands. I thank God for a wife that understands what a scriptural couple should look like and should should operate like. And um, I, I really thank God for that. But I wasn't it, always there. Like No, I ha- you've I- come a long way. Let me say that. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> What is this? I'm joking. You're attacking me the no, whole time. No, I'm praising time. you. Come on. A few jabs. No, there's no jabs. <laughs> you're hot and you're wonderful. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, you get married at 23 and you come from, you know, your, yeah. own, your own upbringing. And so then you have to there's work There's been some, some drywall repairs. A few. <laughs> a couple, couple dented garbage cans. There's a few but dented garbage you cans. You can't, you know. A few drywall repairs. Pop out with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Call my dad over for I, home. <laughs> I knew it was going to be a rough fight when I woke up in our house to the sound of the chainsaw. And she came in with a hockey mask <laughs> well, on. Was, I said, Carolyn. I would not you've be been Jason. Watching I'd too be many Michael movies. Myers. Come okay. On. Well, she had a butcher knife that and she had a white, white mask. <laughs> Her hair was askew in every direction. And, and you know, right? And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, I had to work on it. You you have sure. to actually apply the word of God. You actually have to read it and realize, like, listen, I want favor on my marriage. Right. And you can have everything the Bible has. This, once again, if you go by the ways of this world and what society tells you, you always have to give up something. Mm-hmm. The word of God is into increase into multiplication into good things and so when you realize that the world always wants you to step back give up when you get married oh it's the last person you're ever going to be with oh that's terrible you know when you have kids oh you're never going to be able to do anything again you're going to look like a hot mess like the world's always telling you you can't have your cake and eat it too but the word of god provided us a feast provided us the goodness provided us to have everything he has set up to be but we have to apply the word of god to it yeah once I got that, I was like, okay, it, it, it's not easy. You really do. When you say swallow your pride, it's a big knot. And you're like, okay. But you know what? I want to be a good representation of a wife. I want. He deserves the best. Come on. My kids deserve 
the best because when a relationship is rough between husband and wife, that leaks into your parenting. It just does. You're in a bad attitude. You're and your bitter. Kids feel it all they the feel time. It, the strife. They don't see mom and dad a certain way. Yeah. And so we have the power. The women, we, we, we can, you know, they can set the tone, but we also can set the tone. We have the power to not respond to certain situations, to walk in love, to swallow our pride, to look at it and be like, listen, Holy Spirit, you're going to have to take this one over from me because if I go a certain way, it's going to be only flesh. It's not going to be spiritual acts here. <laughs> so, you know, and we all have the ability. It's not that, you know, we're just better than everyone that's watching. It's like, no, you just, uh, just like anyone, you apply the word of God and watch it work in your life. That's why I said earlier, you know, the, the wife doesn't get off the hook for her, uh, her part of the responsibility because the husband failed in his, right? Because you know, think, well, I'll submit to him when he loves me like Christ loves the church. It doesn't work that way because the Lord still holds you accountable to submit to your husband, even if he is uh, in his flesh, that doesn't mean you have to jump into your flesh right? and vice versa. Husbands can't be like, well, I'll start loving my wife like Christ loved the church when she starts submitting to me. It doesn't work like that. You do your part no matter what the other person is doing. You're sowing seeds into your marriage. You're sowing seeds into your relationship by doing what the word of God says to do. And so that becomes the key. And that's what she's talking about. There, there's times where, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm very hard to be around, you know, very hard to be around, or I may say something, or I might be in my flesh, but she'll, that's why she's saying, she'll say, Lord, give me, uh, you know, strength, strength or whatever. Give me strength. Lord, give me strength. Give me strength. Be married to this man. Oh God, oh, God. give me strength. <laughs> I need um, you right now. But like, you know, that's what she's saying is right? that even in time, right? Even in, <laughs> even in times where like, <clears throat> I may have been in a place where I was saying something out of my flesh or say reacting in my flesh. And she's been like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to operate by the spirit. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm going to, um, uh, be humble. I'm going to, that's why she said, I'm not going to respond to this or I'm going to do that because everybody has to put their flesh under preachers. People think preachers are like on some other different plane of clouds where the glory of God, like mm -hmm. you think people think, what do you think? We're walking around the house all day just praying that in the spirit on Saturday with our and hands Sunday. up. I had to put my flesh down. <laughs> I was about to lose the victory. Carolyn the almost meeting. buried people in the backside of a Fitchburg desert and told God they died Saturday night. I'm not night. kidding. Like I had to literally lift my hands in the I, hotel room and say, Lord, this I is had not bail how I'm, money start, ready. I'm not starting the meeting like this. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't us. It wasn't us fighting. We can it was tell some, you at the end. It was somebody else in the hotel. With a bold face lie. That was lying. My God, trying to get us kicked out and trying to call the police on us. We weren't even doing anything. And Carolyn almost went straight Corleone on the people. I did not. I you had bail tell money everybody ready. this. You're like telling the pastors at lunch yesterday, I'm not like some ruffian. You're a ruffian. I'm not a ruffian. You're a hoodlum. No one has ever seen me be a ruffian. You're a hoodlum. What, well, that's Zach, how, why a are you good, popping your head up now? That's why a good... Put that head back down. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Haven't seen him the whole broadcast, and then all of a sudden he pops up. Are you vouching for said? A good hoodlum doesn't... <laughs> no one sees them be a hoodlum. You're a hoodlum. Karen Bethany said, be proud of who you are, Carolyn. I'm not, but I'm not what Zach's <laughs> always portraying me. She's no longer a slave to fear. Um... But you gotta you but put that flesh under. You put that flesh under, and um, 
It's true. Everybody. People think like, oh, Brother Ted and Carolyn, they're probably just in the anointing, walking around their house all day, speaking in tongues with their hands up, you know, and their kids are floating around getting fruity. You know, it's like, no, no, fruity loops. (laughs) No, (laughs) there you you have to deal with your flesh every single day. (laughs) You have to deal with your flesh every single day. doesn't matter that you're a pastor or an evangelist or a preacher. She almost, she almost did, Ted. Will you stop? Ted, I I was going to call you to build a coffin for three people, Ted. (laughs) Um, I did not. (laughs) No, she did. She's good. But you have to put that flesh under every single day. And you start to realize that, like, it doesn't matter. That's why, think about this. Paul said it. If Paul had to deal with it, then we all have to deal with it. Paul, the apostle that wrote the majority of, of the letters that we have in the New Testament, you think about what he said about himself in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. He goes, I, I've got to put my flesh under on a daily basis so that after having preached to other people, I myself will not become disqualified. So let me tell you, if the apostle Paul had to deal with this stuff, then every believer in the church is going to have to deal with this stuff. But the thing is, here's here's the mistake a lot of people make. Don't embrace it and let it become the thing you're proud of. I, you know, I, how often have we seen that? You know, it's like people embrace that part of themselves and, instead of, let, let, let's break this down for a minute because this is a huge deal. You know, it's like, you know, the uh, the whole, all the t-shirts. I love Jesus, but I drink a little. Or, or like, you know, I love the Lord, but I'll still throw these hands. You know, it's like, okay, I get it. You know, I, I get it. But, you know, what's, what's crazy is, uh, is that I hear people say stuff like this, especially super carnal people. They'll say like, you know what? People, if you want me to change, you're always wanting me to change. You know, if you don't love me for who I am, the real me then you don't love me. You want me to change so you can love me? Or love it or leave it. Right. It's like, do you not understand the scripture? Do you not understand what Paul's trying to get across to the Galatian church? That there are works of the flesh and there are work, there are fruit of the flesh, fruit of the spirit. If you'll walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so literally, I want you to, I want you to hear this because it, it, it is true. Who, when you say that, if you really love me, you wouldn't want me to change. No, it's not that. It's that Christ is imploring you to change. That if you've become a new creature in Christ Jesus, you've been implored to change, to uh, model the, the mold of Christ, to be like Christ. And yes, everybody's working toward that. And yes, everybody has flesh moments. But we don't take pride. Like, who's taking pride in the fact that they have an uncontrollable temper? I just, this is who I am. I'll fly off the handle at you, buddy. I'll smack you around. It's like, don't take pride in the fact that you're overly carnal. Don't take pride in that fact. You should wear that shirt. I'm overly carnal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you you mess with me. I'll give you three pieces of my mind. I want, it's like, you know. Try Jesus. Don't try me. (laughs) I throw hands. It's like, okay, you're going to take pride in the fact that you're carnal? Whereas Paul's condemning it in Galatians chapter 5. And says, instead of, instead of doing all that, instead of doing, this is funny, Veronica, will you make a cookie batter? <laughs> That's a funny way that. to say that. Veronica said, 
Will you make cookie batter and, and add a little <laughs> bit of dog poop? No. So why do you add a little bit of sin to your righteousness? Um, but but <laughs> wouldn't taste good. But but you start you start to you think so about funny. that. It's like, dude, why are you celebrating your car, your carnality? I mean, it's funny if you're joking about it, but I'm saying like people live like that, like it's real. Like they don't try to change me. This is who God made me to be. And if you don't like it, you know, it's like you're not I'm not going to change who I am to be your friend. It's like, no, you need to change who you are to be conformed to the image of Christ. How about that? How about that? Because you start to realize what is what what are the fruit of the spirit? Love, Holy joy, spirit peace, patience. Work with people like that because Holy Spirit's always changing us. Always, we're always growing. We're always going higher in faith and higher to the next level. Yeah. And if you're not willing to change, you can't walk by faith if you're not willing to change. You right. Can't, you can't apply the the principles of the Bible if you're not willing to change. How's your faith going to work if you can't even walk in love? Well, he, pe- he, people screw me. I'll screw them. How about that? Well, I mean, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to ask us to do some serious faith moves in life. And if you're not willing to change, you're never going to say yes to those moves. They mess with me. I'll take them out. How about that? You co- you come at me. I'm coming at you twice as hard. It's like that. That's who God's called you to be. Gangsta. How's your faith going to work? So that's how Zach acts. I, <laughs> I don't. Zach. We're working with him. <laughs> How's your faith going to work? If you don't walk in love, how's your faith going to work? You people, you know, and I mean, how about that? That's right, Talitha. I mean, in, in all in all honesty, how's your how is your faith going to work? If you can't even keep your love walk in check. Think about it. Well, you have to have love. I don't even get I don't even care if you've got the gifts of the spirit in operation. That's what Paul said. I don't care if you've got the gifts of the spirit in operation. Means nothing. Means absolutely nothing. If you don't have He said, What if I have all knowledge? What if I have miracles and all these things, gift of faith, all these things working, and I don't have love? I am nothing. Nothing. First Corinthians thirteen. Zilch. Doesn't mean anything. Nada. Okay, let me give you something that'll help you because this is who he's writing to, by the way. We'll get into all this in Bible study made simple, which launches March twenty eighth. Um, but in, in all in all seriousness. That's guess who Paul's dealing with in that letter, the super immature infants in Christ, Corinthian church. You know what he says to them in the beginning? You've got an abundance of gifts in operation in your church, all utterance, all knowledge. He says that to them in the first chapter, you've got all these things, an abundance of gifts at work in your church, but you are so immature that I'm irritated at you. I'm irritated that I still have to preach the milk of the word to you. When are you going to grow up and be able to take the meat of the word? This is the same letter, by the way, where he breaks down the gifts of the spirit, then rebukes the fire out of them because they don't walk in love. And the same letter where he says, you've got inconsistencies, idolatry, and immorality uh, that are abounding in your church, and you're bragging about it. You're bragging about it. This is the same letter, everybody. Same letter where he says, if you've got all those gifts, you've got so many gifts. Catch the same letter. You've got so many gifts manifesting in your church services that it's just straight up disorder. Straight up disorder. 
You got 19 people jumping up, giving words in tongues and prophesying and no interpretations. You got all this stuff happening. Complete disorder, immorality, idolatry, divisions in your church. So what's he saying? Get this. What is Paul saying? He's saying you're all baby Christians that can operate in the gifts of the spirit. So what? (laughs) So what? Doesn't mean a thing. That's what Paul said. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. If you've got all these gifts at work, you've got all these things in abundance, you're making all this stuff happen and you don't have love, you are nothing. You are nothing. If you break down the book, Bethany, it was a rebuke and an instruction. Half of the, half of the book was him addressing problems in their church. We'll deal with this in Bible study made simple. And half of it was him giving instruction for Christian living. And he's rebuking them. He's rebuking them in the first half of the book and dealing with their problems. And then he gives instruction on how it should be in the second half. Which is really like a parent. Yeah. He he was their father. Yeah. I mean, but that's exactly how we are to be as parents. If you have to rebuke something, but then you go into the instruction and the teaching part. You don't leave them hanging. Then you teach them. That's right, because they had questions why, for why him, too. Why are we too. fixing this? Why are we correcting this? What needs to be changed? Let's, yeah. let's, let's get this done. Let's move on. Let's grow up. That's right. And that's what we do. Same, same parenting. So that's a great example of parenting. Rebuke, instruction, correction leads to perfect direction in their life. Yep. Yep, that's right. And AJ said that's the method for all biblical rebuke. This is wrong, and this is how you fix it. This is wrong. This is how you fix it. And, and, that's, and that's exactly what Paul's doing with them. He said, yeah, you got all these gifts in operation. Yeah, you've got an abundance of it. It's all taking place in your church. But so what? Because, and if you read it, and, that, and that's why it blows people's minds when they read it. And people love to just think 1 Corinthians 13 is just a love chapter. Keep in mind, and of course there were no chapters when Paul wrote the letter, uh, but keep in mind this section that he wrote is sandwiched in between two sections on the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, all about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, all about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, sandwiched in the middle, is about love. Love. But it's more than just about love because he's pointing something out in the same context of the gifts of the Spirit. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have the prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. Listen to that. If I give away all that I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but don't have love, I gain nothing. And then he starts to break down what love is. In case people were in the church, well, what is love then? Okay, love is patient, it's kind, it does not envy or boast, it's not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it's not irritable, resentful. He breaks it down. Irritable. But notice, notice that. In between how powerful all these gifts of the Spirit are, he tells them that more importantly is that you act like Jesus. Act like Jesus. Amen. And so that's what, haps, that's what helps in the home. That's what helps in your relationships. That's what helps with your children. It's funny. It's funny how um, <laughs> your kids can feel it when there's things that are like, they feel the tension even if you're not speaking directly to them. They can sense the tension. They feel it. You know, little Brooklyn is so sensitive to tension, you know. 
And uh, Teddy was getting ready to get in trouble. And they, we were in the room packing for a trip. This was like a couple weeks ago. And she's in there watching her iPad. And Teddy's like, what? And then she's telling me stuff. And I'm like, Teddy, are you serious? And I'm getting ready to, you know, I'm talking, like, are you Teddy? My, my voice, you know, is, is, is getting, getting higher. And I watched little Brooklyn. And she quickly takes her headphones off, packs all her stuff up, puts it in and run, runs out of the room. I was like, Brooklyn's getting out while the going's good. <laughs> Or if she'll say, she might see like me getting upset, like getting Teddy's going to get in trouble or Maddie, and Brooklyn will run over and she'll go, I love you, daddy. I love you. I love you, daddy. Yeah, she goes around the room to tell everyone <laughs> just, just to be sure. <laughs> that I love you. She loves everyone. She's good. It's maybe the last time we speak, but I love you. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's it's funny, but but the, the thing that we're showing you is, is that, that your children can feel what's happening in your home, whether you understand they can or not. They know. They know what's going on. And um, and it's important to recognize that love being the principal thing, faith works by love. Yeah, it's a middle child. Faith works by love. And so the function of your faith is that it's going to bring it's going to bring a, a cohesion to your family. Your love and your faith bring that family into strength and when you, when you found it upon the word of God, you've got your feet on a rock, not a sand, where it's like you don't know which way you're going to go, your family's faltering, you don't know how it's going to end up. No, your feet are on the rock of God's word that does not falter. It is a foundation that's sure. It does not fail. And when you base, you know, think about how, how many uh, marriages would have been saved if the two that were in the marriage were just willing to be humble and walk in love. Think about that for a minute. Be humble, walk in love. Two things. Imagine how many divorces would have been canceled if the two people just made a decision. I'm just going to be humble and walk in love. I guarantee sure. you there are millions of marriages. What was one of the things, 1 Corinthians 13? It does not insist on its own way. Love does not insist on its own way. How many marriages would still be together if they hadn't given each other ultimatums? You either do this or I'm out of here. Love, now I'm not talking about stuff that breaks the covenant of marriage, but I'm talking about love does not insist on its own way. Love prefers the other above itself. And that's why I tell Carolyn, it's our anniversary whether you'd like to go to Taco Bell or McDonald's, you pick. It's not my choice. It's your choice. You can have anything you want off the menu, dollar menu. Sorry. <laughs> it's your my, choice. My two favorite places in the <laughs> whole world. <laughs> Imagine that. Two things. Humility, love. If those just two things would be in operation. Yeah, because it's not even big things that break marriages up nowadays. No. It's the smallest things. And so... Someone, someone has to, somebody has to swallow the pride. Somebody has to change the tone in the home. Somebody has got to walk in love. We can't wait always for the other person. What? The way you were saying somebody has, like, like somebody you. broke the window. Somebody destroyed I the don't stereo. No, Margo. <laughs> Something had to break the window. Something had to destroy the stereo. A little Christmas vacation for you no. guys. Um, 
It's so true. And we want to pray for you. I have you a know, funny t- story. I'll tell it. No, no. I mean, off the broadcast oh. about that movie and Bethany Hooker. <laughs> Bethany, Bethany I'm Hooker, she's telling I stories about, me, about you. But when, <laughs> Mike said Kristen's vacate perfect. Uh, in all seriousness, though, we're, we're believing for families. You know, one of the things that we've seen, the, and of course, the enemy's always against your family, always against your children, always against your marriage, wants to see you destroyed wants to see you completely demolished and your family torn apart. That's why you can see clearly that all this stuff that's going on in the world where they're coming against the family unit, that is a demonic anti-Christ spirit that's at work in the church, trying to get husbands out of the home, wives out of the home. This nut job that they're interviewing for the uh, Supreme Court. Do you know what a woman is? No, I'm not a biologist. You can't define what a woman is. So if you can't do that, then how can you properly define anything? Why do you think? Why do you think this antichrist spirit wants so badly to teach our children about sexual preference at five years old? Why do you think? What do you think the importance is? It's not that five-year-olds are having sex. So why is the spirit of this world so intent about teaching our children about sexual preference at five years old? It's an agenda. It's a demonic antichrist agenda to destroy the family unit that God said is blessed. And if people can't see that now, then their, their minds are gone. I, I know because I'm, I'm just so blown away at how things, how, how families operate, because it's like, we know as Christians, we know there's an enemy out there. We know what his purpose is. So it's like, why on earth are we getting sucker punched? And why on earth are we getting blindsided by the enemy? We need to be in control of our families. We need to be in control of the situation. He has no authority. He has no authority. We have the authority. Christ has given us the authority and our homes. And so we're applying today where we're going to leave this broadcast knowing like we're walking at a different height. Our shoulders are squared back. We're not letting them teach our children any old thing. We're not letting our kids do any old thing. We're not letting our marriages go to the wayside and fall out of love and become roommate status. That's not the will of God for our life. Will. You know, everyone thinks there's multiple wills. I read this stupid comments this morning about, ah, I don't even know, I think it had something to do with that someone lost a child. And the whole comments was like, oh, no, this person was going, just just was going through a separation of her husband. And the, the, oh, the comments. I thought I woke up and I wanted to punch the wall because it was like, you know, this is God's will. Yeah, it's God's will for her to go through a divorce, for her to go through breakup, for the four kids now to see their family. Yeah, that's God's will for their life. God has other plans. God has, God has other plans. It's stupid. People have to think before they speak. Think before they type because they look like morons. And then you will make my God look like a moron and he's not. Yeah, so I get frustrated <laughs> at the people of this world and Christians who make my God look like he's he doesn't know what he's doing. He's up there like, well, I had this plan for this person, but you know what? I'm going to I'm going to split up their family. I'm going to take it apart. The kids got to go through this. The wife has to go through heartbreak because now I have a I have another plan because my first plan was wrong. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing with the first plan. But now this other wills, this other wills better. 
I mean, that think people we need to ridiculous. Think. <laughs> it's ridiculous. You see all these things that are happening in the world. Why do you think they're targeting families? Why do you think they're targeting it? You know, this uh, putting these different types of family units together and uh, trying to destroy children before they even know what to think. You know, it's like I saw somebody tweeted this yesterday. It's like, how do you see four year old uh, uh, cross dressing transgender children? They said a transgender four year old is the same as a vegan cat. We know who's making the life choices. We know who's making the life choices. It's the parents. They're so deceived and they're so filled with an antichrist spirit and agenda that they have been uh, tricked into living in a way that's destructive to all of society. And I'm telling you right now that there's an attack against the family unit. Yeah, do not if people go can't with the see flow. It, they're blind. The devil hates the family. Yeah. He hates fathers. He hates mothers. You realize if they dig up bones from hundreds of years ago, they can analyze the bones and know if it was a man or a woman. They can analyze the bones and know if it was a man or woman. And I'm just telling you, there's a lying spirit that's at work in the world trying to destroy the image of God of creation, that God is the one who instituted these things. And I'm telling you, we're not going to have a part of it. We're not going to be a part of it. And it's not going to affect our families, our children, our grandchildren in the mighty name of Jesus. So we're going to pray for you at the end of this broadcast. And we're praying that your family is going to another level in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That 2022 will be a banner year for you and your family, your children, your grandchildren. You're going to another level in Jesus' name. You're protected from the attacks of this wicked world. Does not matter what the devil is spewing out. We're not taking any of it. We have dominion and authority by the power of the Holy Ghost in the wonderful name of Jesus. So, Father, we come to you right now by the power of your spirit in the name of Jesus. And we ask you to intervene on behalf of our families this year by the power of the Holy Ghost. There's people watching, Lord. You know that they are believing for household salvation believing for their loved ones to come into the kingdom of God, their children to serve God again. And I pray, Lord, that you would do a supernatural work for them. If it's a husband, a wife, bring them into the kingdom, Lord. Children, grandchildren, let somebody come across their path that will give them the gospel, yes. soften their heart, Lord. Break down the walls around their heart. Call them into the kingdom by your spirit. And we thank you that this will be a year in which we can celebrate household salvation. Lord, I'm asking you by the power of the Holy Ghost that whatever stood against their families before this day, blow your mighty breath from heaven and blow every wicked thing away from our homes. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered in Jesus' name. Let those who hate him flee before him in Jesus' wonderful name. I thank you, Lord, that every wicked thing is running from our children, running from our grandchildren, our yes. homes, our families, our bodies, our minds, our finances, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I'm asking you to do a special work and restore marriages this year. Restore relationships where intimacy has been lost, where fellowship has been lost, where agreement has been lost, where love has been lost and peace has been lost and joy has gone missing. I ask you, Lord, in the wonderful name of Jesus to restore marriage relationships this year. 
by the power of your spirit. Yeah. I pray that you'd bring those things back that you plan to be in the marriage. Touch the heart of every husband. Touch the heart of every wife. And Lord, I ask you to, in the same way that you've healed the sick and that you've healed and delivered from addictions, heal those relationships. Bring those families back into victory. We thank you for it. We give you praise Hallelujah. in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Praise Amen. the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're not looking like everyone else. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to encourage those of you that are watching and listening to partner with Carolyn and with me as we're preaching around the world. Did you know now that the television broadcast is going into over 180 nations of the world every single week? And we're seeing people saved from nations around the world. This comes right up on my phone. We can see who they are, getting them discipled. I want, to, I want to encourage you to do this. Many of you are believing that God's going to turn your finances around. Take a step of faith. I want to challenge you to partner and stand with us. What, ask the Lord, what is it can I do each month? What can I do to stand with that ministry and watch? Become a part of what God's doing and watch as this generation comes to Jesus. Uh, for those of you that are standing with us at $85 or more this month of March, we're sending you Brother Hagen's book, I Believe in Visions. You'll see that there on the screen. Powerful book. We received it in Bible school. It'll build your faith. For those that have stood with us at $250 or more this month, we're also including uh, The Miracle of the Scarlet Thread by Dr. Richard Booker. And then, of course, for those that are sewing $1,000, we're going to also include with those two books, The Net Study Bible with full translator's notes, 60,000 notes on the Bible. And uh, it's our way of saying thank you uh, for partnering with us in this month. Let me also just remind you, I'm so excited about this. Coming up this Monday, registration begins for Bible Study Made Simple. And uh, it's a comprehensive one-on-one -on -one teaching and training on how to properly study the scripture, how to rightly divide the scripture. And uh, every week there'll be new content. Uh, but once registration closes on April the 10th, you'll not be able to get in again until late fall uh, when we open registration again. We want everybody to be able to move through this together. And so it's going to be great. We have an early bird special for everyone that signs up in the first 48 hours. We're giving you Dr. Craig Keener's book, uh, The Bible in Its Context. One of the greatest Pentecostal scholars ever in the history of the Christian church. I mean that. He's done more important work uh, than pretty much anybody in the Pentecostal realm ever. And uh, this book will bless you immensely. And so we're going to take you week by week by week and show you these things. And we're going to do Bible studies together, put these principles into action and in practice, and it'll open your eyes. All the details of what you're going to take away from the course, what's available to you, can be found on the website, bible.miracleword.com. And uh, if you're on the text list, you will get the uh, alert first when the registration opens up and uh, you can jump in and do it. I'm so pumped about this. Starts Monday the 28th. And uh, so go check it out. Be a part of it with us. Don't miss it. We love you guys a lot. A big thank you to my beautiful, wonderful, humble, anointed. I love you guys. Thank you for giving. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for standing with us. Thank you for praying for us. You guys are like family. Victory Tribe is family to us. True. And we love you so much. We love you so a lot. Much. Tonight, 
And tomorrow night, we're live from Fitchburg, Massachusetts, Crossroads Community Church. Do not miss these services if you're here or close. Come be a part in person. If not, we'll be live on all platforms. We love you a lot. Have a powerful day. We'll talk to you again very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.